We have such sights to show you. Take a seat, rip open those trapper keepers, and welcome to the Horrible Film School. I am Chris here with Ryan Hootie. What's up, fellas? Chris, this week, I hope your lesson is how good guys, in the end, always get fucked over. Yeah, something like that. And we also got Mr. Nasty himself, my bro from the same mo, Joey. Come to daddy. Mm. Who's ready to raise a little bit of hell, boys? God, yeah, yeah. I'm creeped out already by that line. Yeah, the rapey vibes are, are real. Today's assignment, 1987's Hellraiser. The lesson. Everything is best in moderation. Start small, perhaps with nipple clamps, and slowly turn up that heat. So yeah, this was when I picked Blind Spot for me. Well, it's hard to to say I have no exposure to Pinhead because I have... Like this gets referenced a lot. It's one of those big franchises from the late 80s through the 90s, but I don't think I ever sat down and, at least not in my working memory, watched an entire 90-minute uh, showing of Hellraiser of any kind. So, I am in that same boat with you, Chris. It was a blind spot for me, and I had seen bits and pieces of this franchise throughout my childhood, and watching this film, I realized I had seen none of the first one. Right, yeah. No, that was all brand new to me. Yeah, it's uh, I've watched Hellraiser quite a few times coming up in the world. Um, it's funny how you talk about you haven't seen it, however you know who Pinhead is. Right, yeah. It's just one like of those. He, he is definitely iconic, for sure. All right, so let me look at some uh, fan reviews to open up the show here, just so we can kind of get some context of how this bad boy was received back in 1987 start with the positive review because this one's so short and sweet i found it a bit charming it's got titties uh, even even nicer than that by way of imdb from a user by the username bevan we'll go with bevan this is from april of 2020 so this is a month into the pandemic <laughs> keep that in mind nice i like how he has all them pins in his face would make a great tattoo i reckon Classic. Ten out of ten. That's it. What's he talking about? Know. Getting a bunch of like I have no like idea. A tattoo of a bunch of pins on his fucking forehead and shit. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Or is really he talking get about it. an actual pinhead tattoo? I think he's a tattoo of his face, but yeah. Well, there well, I ain't never seen that movie, but damn, brother, that like a good tattoo right there. For twenty twenty, it's like the first time we've seen this guy's face. So. Maybe it's the same guy who lives in Richmond, Virginia, who got a tattoo of the insane clown posse's makeup on his face. Oh shit, that sounds painful. That's a real that? guy. That's a real guy. That's a juggalo. I wish sir. I was. I wish I was dedicated enough to something just to like get that sort of tattoo, have that sort of like fanfare. What is yeah. a juggalo? Shout out to uh, Mr. Brad for that one. I mean, he must be like the juggalo now. He's got the whole face <laughs> tattoo. I think he's an honorary member of ICP at this point. <laughs> so yeah, that was in 2020. I thought it was kind of weird, or not weird, kind of uh, not unexpected that someone had made it to 2020 and never seen Pinhead's face before. I thought that was kind of cool. 
And I mean, watching this movie, that's the one thing he took out of it was the guy with the pins in his face. So I'm hopping on uh, the Negative Nancy review here. We got a 1 out of 10 with the title, This Franchise Should Be Banned Forever. From Mr. or Mrs. Boris Lav from June 2016. Ooh. I watched this film when I was a child. It scared me a lot. Now I know why. This movie is disgusting. Most of all, it makes you feel like you're in hell for real. I watched it one time. I'm not going to watch it again. After watching one of these movies, it makes you dreams nightmares or urges you to do crimes or wrong things. This movie has no meaningful message, no meaningful plot, only disgusting images of disgusting murders with no sense. I am sure these movies contributed to the rise of murders and crimes in every country where it was aired. Bottom line, this is a horrible movie. This and all the franchise, one out of ten because they don't let you do zero out of ten. How about that? They don't let him he do it. He was offended, man. Offended. I thought it was kind of weird he would attribute this his to the rising crime. I think this movie was actually like banned in a, a lot of places because of like the sexual violence and all the uh, religious imagery and shit. I feel like this movie is the most the most horror movie that we've covered. You know what I'm saying? It covers all the most generic horror movie stuff to make it, I don't know, it's like a, a pinnacle of fucking horror movies in a way, you know? What people hate about them, at least. The, the always gratifying connection of something that's terrifying and horrible to, like, the real world and mass shootings and violence is just such a old bullshit ideology. Yeah, it's like the video games, the wave of, like, 2002. You remember that? They were blaming all the shit on yeah. GTA and all that. Or the Satanic Panic blaming Metallica and fucking Black Sabbath for bullshit. Well, it's just trying to uh, make sense out of senseless crimes for the most part. And it's it's got to pin it on something. It just makes it easier to understand if you can pin it on something, you know. The fact that he watched this or she watched this as a kid is what fucked them up. Only and once. If I had seen this as a kid, I might have the same fucking opinion. However... I was lucky in that fact. I, I, well, I wasn't even lucky. I don't think mom would have allowed that bullshit. Like, Chucky, fine. Yeah. Uh, somebody getting sodomized while eating someone's flesh, that's, uh, that's a no-go. Right, yeah. I was trying to kind of wondering if this was one that could slip through the cracks that we might have caught it at a young age, and I just fucking forgot about it. But this is one that uh, you definitely need to screen before you show to your 8-year-old son. <laughs> Parent corner. All right, right here I'm going to touch on some crew notes. Um, I know we kind of usually do behind-the-scenes stuff here, but I'm trying to push that to when it's relevant in the uh, story beats. So, um, As far as the crew who made this, um, written and directed by Mr. Clive Barker, based on his own novel. Clive Barker is an English horror writer who also has some pretty prominent paintings and illustrations. You should check those out. Uh, just Google his paintings. They're pretty fucking cool. Pretty talented guy. Uh, he directed this as his first after disliking previous adaptations of his work, which were two films called Transmutations and Rawhide Rex. Rawhead Rex. Rawhead Rex, excuse me. Yeah, definitely, yes. a, definitely a phallic name for a, a, a I short I think I like or. Rawhide Rex a little bit better. Yeah, it's kind of like more like a badass cowboy, you know. Rawhead Rex is a wild movie. Is it about a, like a walking penis? It's about a, uh, it's like, it's, I think he's a cop. Or like a gun for hire, and he's got like a weird shaped head, and it's like just a big ass. It doesn't skin. look like it's, a penis. 
Uh, from my memory, I don't think so. I'm but g- probably. Just based on reading about Mr. Barker, I'm assuming that's probably what he was going for when he created that character. Probably. Probably. Well, speaking of talented painters, um, not trying to step on anybody's feet here by jumping the gun, but Ashley Lawrence, the the girl Kirstie. that plays Christy. Kirsty, Christy, or Kirsty? It's Kirsty. I feel like I'm going to end up saying Christy a lot. I bet, yeah. Because Kirsty is a weird fucking name. You just moved the vowel there. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, she's a talented painter in her own right. So. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. I didn't know that. Check out some of her works. Be a Clive Barker, I feel like is a name I've always heard, like on this, on like a scale, and then actually looking into him and like his body of work, he has doesn't have as much stuff as I thought he did. You know. Like, he's not no, a Stephen not King. All. I assume, like, this is the British Stephen King, you know, but he's definitely not that prolific. There's two names that always bug me. They always show up the same fucking way. Clive Barker's Hellraiser, Todd McFarlane's... Todd McFarlane's... Spawn. Todd McFarlane's whatever the fuck he's doing Spawn. this week. Well, those those two things, like, um, who the fuck are these people? Yeah. Yeah. I get it, your creation, but... I guess I should do my due diligence and actually research you a little bit, but Clive Barker, uh, fucking Hellraiser, and Candyman. Yeah, that's pretty. That's much, really it. That's it. That was all I really and got my, out of it too. Always th- thought of Barker in the same vein of McFarlane as well. He um, didn't he do McFarlane some video had, game work too? Was Spawn? He did like other stuff. Clive Barker did other stuff. They but, put his name on so much stuff. I thought he was like such a bigger deal, I guess, than well he is. You know. Well, I so, think as a horror writer and like horror like comic book, I think I don't think he drew the comics, but I think his comics are like still even going today. His illustrations like are, are fantastic, comics. though. No shit, you so, check those out. He would make the little spawn figurines, and then that blossomed into making NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, like all the figurines before NECA came around. So it is that same guy, McFarlane. It's the same guy. Yeah, he's just like a toy manufacturer at this point. I uh, part of him, yeah. On top of the comedy stuff, and they're Don't rebooting Spawn. Clyde Barker and Todd McFarlane, super talented. Oh yeah, way more be important than we are, no doubt. Way more important, way more successful. Uh, yeah, it still just bugs me when they say like this person's, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's like the presents tag or something clue. they put on stuff. I'm like, does it really have any power? I don't know. Uh, the other uh, crew member I wanted to shout out was special makeup effects designer Bob Keen, who did the Hellraiser sequels and Candyman. Dude, this guy worked on a lot of shit. Did you check any of his stuff out? I flipped through it, but to me, those stood out because I could see, thinking back to Candyman, just some of the way the makeup is very similar to what I saw in Hellraiser here. Oh, yeah. He did a lot of like model work and stuff for movies that like utilize models. Like He worked on the original Star Wars trilogy... Uh, Alien, The Dark Crystal, love that shit. The Neverending Story, Event Horizon, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, the dude and the rest of the special effects slash makeup crew definitely deserve um, some recognition for their work here. The only other note I have that's uh, not into the story itself was the film was originally supposed to be called The Hellbound Heart. After the novella it was based on, the studio decided it sounded too much like a romance. Barker offered up sadomasochist from Beyond the Grave, which was rejected for being too sexual. They ultimately opened the floor to the production team to offer up suggestions, and the best of the bunch was from a 60-year-old female crew member who offered up what a woman will do for a good fuck. That was a good fucking title, man. 
It's a mouthful. I would have went with that one, dude. It's a mouthful, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it was a mouthful, and Lydia got a mouthful as well, you know what I mean? Or Julia. Good for her. R.I.P. to her, too. She's definitely dead. If she was, well, if she was 60, 30 years ago, she might be, she's 90. She is now a Cenobite. (laughs) I hope she got laid that night, is all I can say. She's a Cenobite, and her ass cheeks are, like, pulled back. <laughs> like, her ass, the, the hooks go in her asshole, and they wrap around through her pussy lips. She saw <laughs> the lament just configuration. She her asshole open the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you guys got any uh, overall tidbits here? I had two tidbits, if I could hop in here. One, this movie came to me graciously again from my local public library, boys. It was on Amazon get, Prime, just so you know. Get Literally hype. the most easily accessible fucking movie we've done Prime so video. on Amazon Prime. Uh, well, support your public libraries, people. Supporting Jeff Bezos. Secondly, Hellraiser is being rebooted and at some point will be coming out in 2022, we believe. This year? Oh, shit. Supposedly. It is complete. Yeah, actually, they have not released it. <laughs> I actually got an expansion on what you're talking Did about. Did it get backgirled? You said it's complete, but it's not got a release date. No, no, no. It just, it had, no, hell no. This thing's actually going to be like legit shit. Um, legit shit as in good shit. Uh, it's coming out through Hulu. Um, oh. As Hootie said, there's a reboot of the film in the works. Helmed by David Bruckner, if you know. I do not recognize that, that name. name. Yeah. Dude actually has done some good shit. Southbound. Which was on our our chopping block for a while. The uh, the ritual, the night house. Oh, I have heard these the, these independent horror films. I've seen the night amateur house. night segment of 2012's VHS. Mm. The one where the girl turns out to be a succubus. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible! Oh, it's the worst one. In a good that's way. The fucking best. No, I mean in a good crazy. way. I mean in a good oh, way. Yeah, it's yeah, like, oh yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. terrifying. It was, it's, it's all downhill from there after that shit. God, am I um, terrifying? Yeah, still, the yeah. interesting. The interesting note about this reboot is it will star female actor Jamie Clayton as Pinhead. Oh. Which actually may be more faithful to the original novella as the lead Cenobite in the novella described to have many feminine features. Interesting. So So is this the first uh, Pinhead with no Doug Bradley? Oh, no. Uh, Unfortunately. Doug Bradley kind of uh, got shafted on that. Well, not shafted, shafted himself. Um, the most recent two um, iterations of Hellraiser have been Sands, Doug Bradley. Who's uh, kind of his own? It was his own decision. Who's Don the Pins? Nobody. Yeah, nope. some, it's a couple couple of people I don't think are worthy of noting. I guess in like eight years or something when we cover the uh, <laughs> the other two, Fear. we can fucking go over that. Fear not, Chris. Uh, Doug Bradley pay, played him eight times. He did, oh, yeah. did, did, did he, he's, he's pinhead for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's pinhead for sure. I didn't know there was a reboot um, this year, man. I feel like uh, we're we're creating things in the universe. Well, just fuck by the fucking year's almost over. They better come out with this oh, shit, shit, man. Horse season. It was supposed about to, to be start. an HBO series, but I'm not sure if these are the same thing or not. What? They were supposed to be an HBO series. Hulu did. Uh, Hulu just did release uh, Prey, which is also pretty good. So good for them. And that's for, why I kind of have. I kind of have. Uh, faith that this will actually be a, a decent reboot. Can a mainstream horror film in today's world come out on a platform like Hulu, which is owned by Disney, and be as graphic as this film? I don't know. This was a wild yeah. ride from a graphic standpoint. I feel like everything's so dark now, though. I don't know if you get to the 
Because, like, the, the sexuality in this is, like, kind of whimsical in a way, you know? I don't know. I don't know how you could approach that from Disney being the overlords. Yeah. Like, I don't it's think all it's going to be straight, like, bull, bull dick fucking in, in the new one. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Damn it. I'm sure. Damn it. I, I, I don't want to watch it now. I don't watch it now. Yeah. The illusions will be there. Hopefully they don't, hopefully they don't pull any punches with it, with it being a Disney-owned company. But at the same time, who fucking knows? All right, without further ado, let's solve this lament configuration. Lament configuration? Lament. Lament. Let's do it. Let's get into Hellraiser. The box. You opened it. We came. It's just a Oh, no. It is a means to summon us. Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Somewhere in North Africa, Frank Cotton purchases an antique puzzle box from a dealer who asks him, What is your pleasure, sir? Back at his house in England, Frank solves the puzzle box and hook chains fly out and tear into his flesh. Some strange looking folks then appear, their leader, who we all would come to know as Pinhead, played by Doug Bradley, who would play Pinhead for seven more iterations, reassembles the pieces of Frank's face. He finds the box and twists it back into its original state, cleaning the room instantly. So Doug Bradley here as lead Cenobite, um, a.k.a. the priest. The priest. I look at this guy's like Google image, image gallery, and all I could think of is that meme. Like, Mom, can we have J.K. Simmons? Mom, <laughs> we have J.K. Simmons at home. And it's this dude's fucking picture. He looks pissed off in every picture I've seen. He's the, he's the face of the franchise, man. And Although he hasn't portrayed Pinhead in every single sequel as we talked to earlier. Uh, I mean, he is the character, you know. He's this, he he's Pinhead the same way Robert England will always be Freddy, you know. It's hard to be the face of a, a horror movie villain over a long franchise because unlike Michael Myers or Jason, you could just throw a mask on anybody. But when it's actually your face, that time runs out, you know. He and Freddy are like the only two that I can think of that have that kind of longevity. They have the major As icons, I would say so. Yeah. Could you imagine being this actor who you probably didn't have a lot going on before you got this role? And then you're able to, you know, pump six, seven, eight of these films out. And then you're just living off of this forever. I think this is one of his first roles and he didn't want to take it because he thought his face should be out there because he wanted people to see who he was as an actor. So he didn't want to go under makeup. And lo and behold, 30 years later, that's what he's known for. Yeah. It's funny you say that because that's exactly the case. He literally wanted the role of one of the moving guys. Oh, they got moving the mattress. The role of, of Lisa and Bite, yeah. Just because they would see his face. You got, y'all have any beers? Close up on the chin. You got any beers? Yeah, nobody remembers that guy. You made the right choice, Mr. Bradley. I'm sure your wallet appreciates it. But yeah, this shit gets gross quick. Frank is into some wild shit. This is like a pretty wild first five minutes of a, a horror movie with no fucking context oh, yeah. of what's going on. His upstairs torture chamber, it looks like my freezer with all that fucking meat, bro. It's fucking gross. I got a little note here about the box. We gotta talk about the box, man. The box is 
This box What's in the cool. box? So numerous props of that box were constructed from wood and cut out brass. They were produced by special effects designer and maker Simon Sass. Due to its delicate construction, he would lie on the floor under the Cenobites during takes in case they dropped it in order to save himself the eight hours it took to create another one. Oh, my God. That's pretty uh, pretty dedicated to his craft. Pretty cool fucking box yeah. there. Takes eight hours to build it. Well, you call it a puzzle box. Let's talk about how easy this fucking puzzle box it's is. It's pretty simple. To, I had a question at the end of the movie. What does it mean to solve this? I, I do not know. Do you rub your finger on it and that's how you solve the damn puzzle? No, no, no. You rub your finger. That's how you start the puzzle. You, just, you gotta stimulate. You pick it you up and twist it and box. push it down. Stimulation crest. Rub in a clockwise oh. motion to stimulate the box. You gotta spread I get it now. A section, a little sexual undertone. Through like when I wipe my ass, I always go in a circular I wasn't thinking about your butthole. I was thinking about the sexual good part. Imagery there. Good. Good yeah, hygiene. The, the mint configuration. Um, so, yeah, this is a super easy fucking puzzle to solve. <laughs> Apparently, it's almost like they want you to solve it. It's so you enticing. Can, you know, be, uh, be uh, escorted down to hell. Um, now, if only they actually used a Rubik's Cube. Nobody would the figure damn this Rubik's shit Cube, out man. at all. That's all yeah. I could think of the whole time. Kirsty definitely was not going to figure out a damn Rubik's Cube. Fuck. Eat me, I quit. <laughs> also, this first scene, this first scene, you notice how dirty Frank's fucking fingernails are? I have it in my I notes, did. too. They're disgusting. <laughs> Wash your fucking hands, man. Dude, it's like he's been wiping, it's like he's over there wiping his ass with, like, bamboo shards and shit. He's in the wild shit, man. It's like the first scene of the film. You see this man's nasty-ass hand. <laughs> Well, this, I think it's indicative of the movie. They definitely were not trying to provide any pleasing imagery anywhere in this fucking thing. But yeah, the lament con- is it called the lament configuration in this movie at all? It's I saw it in all my not notes. Referred to as the lament like configuration. So. Okay. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. So that's is. just like, like pinhead later on, or something later that comes on part in of the, franchise. Later on, in either the second or third movie, it actually goes over the history of like how it was created. Interesting. Um, now I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the, the the other two movies that come after this, they definitely like flesh out the Cenobites' history. Like the second one is oh, it's so fucking good, but they really flesh out the actual like lore behind the Cenobites and the box and all that stuff. And I'm looking Labyrinth forward to and that Leviathan and all that shit because this film has it's like kind of like Jaws. You don't see the shark a whole lot, right? Yeah. Well, that yeah, sure you you want to see. You want to see the shark a little bit more, but you don't want to see it too much because then you see how shitty it actually looks. Oh, you know, okay. it's yeah. kind of the same way with the Cinnabon. This is definitely a, a low budget at this point. You can tell. I think the budget was like a mil flat. Yeah, I think I read they got nine hundred k up front, ended up getting it up to a million. They made like forty though, so good on them. Frank's brother Larry Cotton, played by Andrew Robinson, who you might know as the sergeant in Child's Play Three. Soon, Larry <laughs> soon moves into the same abandoned house with his second wife, Julia, played by Claire Higgins, who had a secret affair with Frank. The house is fucking disgusting, and they both assume that Frank is off on one of his adventures. So, can we talk about how much Larry looks like a fucking cuckold already? Yeah, they did not paint this man. What's wrong with him? He's so he nice. just comes in, no one just looking at him. You can tell his old lady's gonna be fucking around on him. He's so his nice. brother's just slaying. With no fucking Julia. game. Oh he's, oh, he's a damn bad oh, wait, boy. Wait, wait, wait. Who, who's about to blame the woman? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. 
No, no, no. Well, I think this movie, I think I have every right in the damn book to blame this fucking bag of fucking What's wrong with bones. Larry? He's just like a, he's a nice young man. Larry's in right. He's like <laughs> a good dad. He sees himself as fucking Larry, bro. He's like a good dad. Nobody wanted to be Larry watching this shit. I wanted to be Steve personally, but that's just me. Fuck no. I want to be Frank. <laughs> Frank. We're experiencing the pleasures, boy. The pleasures. <laughs> Frank was a nasty bastard. No, Frank's my fucking idol. I'm going to be talking about this shit. Yeah, Larry looked like a fucking cuck. Uh, as Chris said, um, Andrew Robinson as Larry, watching this movie without looking up the actor, it kept bugging the shit out of me. I've seen this dude somewhere before. Who is this guy? And then it hit Fucking me. Child's Play 3. This is the barber yeah. from Child's Play 3. Wait a minute. Barber. And I quote this motherfucker at least once a week when I trim my horseshoe hairline. Oh, yeah. Presto. You're bald. You're bald. I remember that one. Also, uh, also played the uh, Scorpio Killer from Dirty Harry. And uh, shout out to Hootie and his shitty little favorite franchise. Featured in Pumpkinhead 2. Yes. Oh, yes. Pumpkinhead. Pumpkin. You got to get it right. Get that southern accent in there. Um, why? So, wait a minute. We got to back up here because I have not seen Child's Play 3. I know it's about grenades and being in the Army. Yeah, um, Andy's at a uh, military school. There <laughs> is a barber who has a predominant role in this film. Uh, no, he's literally on screen for maybe five minutes. Yeah, he gets oh. fucked up. However, Larry's career, his character—it uh, was just uh, me and Chris were at an age where the character stood out. Impressionable man. Okay. And also, not—I didn't have an obsession with barbers when I was younger. Let's go ahead and get that out of the no. way. However, I had long, curly, flowing locks of hair. So my mom would take me to a salon to have my hair cut. And anytime a woman woman started playing with my hair and cutting my hair, I would fucking sprout a choke. We're talking about TV action. So haircut and shit has always Mm -hmm. been like, we're we're in a movie talking about sexual depravity. Um, Haircutting has always been like a thing for me. Well, let's think about this. Back when I had hair. Do you see it? uh, oh, so you don't get your haircut? I said, do you see a barber now? Is he saying, oh, fuck action? no. This You're shit, looking at him right shit. here. I, sh- I shave it in disgust. I don't even look in the mirror when I do it. I'm just, it's, it's, Jesus, it's fucking man. gross. So what you guys think about the uh, flashback to Frank and uh, Julia making love? Oh, I think Frank was blowing that back out. But, but, but. We about saw a couple Did of buttholes in the, when they were like getting <laughs> up. Did you notice that? I saw his whole penis. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't see his whole penis. This man's dick is in this film. I saw the shaft. That's what you get yeah, when you watch yeah. the library, Cappy. You get the full yeah. dick. Well, a library is, you know, very inf- <laughs> informational. You know, talking about biology now. Uh, or anatomy. Um, why was this so unsettling to watch? You're talking about, like, the lovemaking? Well, he pulled out a knife like he was going to cut her ass, didn't he? Pulled out a knife. She started, like, sucking his fingers. It didn't seem oh, like yeah, she yeah. wanted well, I think it, it's, but she did want it. <laughs> I think it's the whole we talked about it earlier, the mixture of like violence with sex. Yeah. So she wanted to be like mutilated. Well no no, no. she didn't want to be mutilated, but she definitely wanted to be thrown on her back, you know. Something that Larry that can't way. can't do. Exactly. No, 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 Larry Larry just fuck up and down. Larry's a missionary man. Larry <laughs> Larry's a oh, I'm about to come, darling. Type and you know, and Frank's like, I'm not coming for forty five minutes. Bitch, get some popcorn. I'm going in. Get ready. Poor Larry. Larry has a job, nine to five. He's tired and worn out. Who do you really into fucking Larry? <laughs> Frank doesn't even work. Just lays around, does crack and meth and shit. And yeah, but guess what? Guess what he lays around doing? 
practicing. Working out? I'm practicing. laying around edging, him, edging himself for fucking eight hours on end. Tantric. It's tantric at that point, man. Can fuck for days. I got do have a note here. We're talking about the seduction scene. Barker said the seduction scene was initially a lot more explicit. Here's his quote. He said, we did a version of this scene which had some spanking in it. The MPAA was not appreciative of that. Lord knows where the spanking footage is. Somebody has it somewhere. They told me I was allowed two consecutive buttocks thrust from Frank, but three was deemed obscene. <laughs> three pumps. What is this, like that fucking key and peel skit? Two pump chump is all you got. Where the it's, motherfuckers in the end zone. <laughs> it sounds like the guy who, who made that comment might be the Larry in real life who may only last three pumps. Yeah, so. possible. She's so getting too much sodomy. good dick. We got to cut this. We got all of that. Wait a minute. Is this the sodomy scene that was cut? Yeah, there's also, yeah, they had a, was, a scene of yeah. uh, sodomy. Is this it? Which they replaced with the knife bit. I was like, so which one of the. Uh, like I said, it's that, sex that, and violence, that goes, man, is what this movie is. That goes to show, like, the American, like, cinema, whatever, American mindset of, like, violence is okay, but sex is, like, so, totally off limits. I found this scene unsettling how it was. It could have been. Oh, that yeah. much more. Yeah, man, it was it was different. Wow. It was wow. It was trimmed to satisfy your R rating. Well, we got different. Yeah. We got different levels of shit. I could watch this just night and bad and Disturbing, Joy. Disturbing. <laughs> Larry's teenage daughter, Kirsty, played by Miss Ashley Lawrence, who was in a couple of Hellraiser sequels and also a Slipknot music video for the song "Snuff" from 2009. Jesus Christ! I actually went and watched this shit, and oh my God, that song fucking blew asshole. This lady is very attractive. She, anyway, Kirsty chooses not to live with her stepmother and moves into her own place. After cutting his hand on a nail, Larry goes upstairs to find Julia in the room where Frank was killed. Larry's blood falls on the floor. Why do I know the song "Snuff"? It's it's I I think it's actually one of their popular songs, but I, at this point I wasn't into Slipknot anymore. I was definitely on the Iowa days and all that shit. That was my stuff. This is like really, it's really really slow. I think it's like an acoustic song too. Oh, jeez. Okay. It is definitely not not classic Slipknot. Is her name Lydia? No, it's fucking Julia. I put Lydia. Why did I put Lydia? Um, why is Kirsty dressed like a fucking pirate? Out there on the docks walking around. <laughs> Anybody else notice that shit? I didn't notice. She had like She's a flowing shirt. She's got old fucking shirt. pantaloons and shit, man. Looking like damn uh, Jack Sparrow's sister. Maybe she works at like you know, your local uh, pirate museum. I found I found Kirsty hands down, without a doubt, no argument needed, the worst actor in this entire movie. Uh, I think she gets better by the end. I think she she definitely comes comes to. Julia is the one who runs away with the show. Well, you know what? Everybody in here is pretty serviceable, I guess. Even Larry, Joey? You gotta give Larry some credit? No, no, Larry, Larry's great. Especially Larry? later on in the movie. Larry's fucking great. Twisted Larry. Great. Um, just because you're out here getting cucked watching another dude fuck your old lady, <laughs> that don't make you a bad actor, you know? Did she kiss her dad on the lips, Kirsty? Did you notice I this? Think she did, yeah. That's like a thing, man. Some people are cool with it. There's so yeah. much. Uh, I was like, the sexuality here is just super weird. And her relationship with Frank. The whole come to daddy thing is like so, so many weird rapey vibes going on in here. Was she molested? There seems to be like a molestation vibe happening. I had her. that, uh, or at least no. What? I thought he at least y'all got that vibe. He saw her like in a sexual way. I thought like Larry. No, no, not Larry. Her uncle Frank. Frank, yeah, oh. Frank. I think fuck with her or something. I don't know. We'll vibe, come back to it. We got, got. we got some notes later on about it. As they leave the attic, the blood is sucked through the floorboards where some gross mass appears to absorb it. 
that mask was Frank, and he uses Larry's blood as nourishment to partially regenerate his body. Newly reborn, Frank rises and shrieks in pain. That skeleton is fucking nightmare fuel, dude. Dude, that shit is fucking dope. Before we talk about that, though, however, I hate to interject. What? Did either one of you notice when we had the flashback where Frank actually meets Julia? Oh, he's coming in from the rain? Yeah, his audio is actually dubbed. Oh, it's because he was... Was it a British thing? Is that what the issue was? That that actor, Sean Chapman, who played the character of uh, a live Frank, he his voice apparently didn't match what um, they were going for. I think I did oh, read somewhere it was that, actually dubbed. that it was supposed to be like a British movie, and they were like, well, it needs to sell to American audiences. So they dubbed, they dubbed over in English accents, but his was like none of his actual voices in this whole movie. There's wow. actually, by the end of the movie, there's four actors who play Frank. Jesus. Sick bastard, that's what he is. But that's but your yeah, boy, let's, that's let's your hero. Let's go back to the, uh, oh, that's my fucking dude, man. Love that this guy. Idol. Let's go back, let's go back to Frank fucking clawing, pulling his way out of hell. God, that was fucking gross, man. I didn't know what it was at first. I thought it was a spider. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely like took its time doing the whole reanimation. I was the way the rib cage was like rebuilding itself and the fucking guts, man. Oh my god, it was so badass. That was very, very some good. of the best, some of the best practical effects I've ever seen. Yeah, Is definitely that, effective. Um, just uh, shot in reverse. Is that they did that? I would assume it was. Yeah, it's usually the easiest way to get something reanimated. Well, Shoot I think parts of it was. Parts it of it backwards. was like wax being melted and then being shot backwards, from what I could tell. But I think him pulling himself out of the floor was like, just like animatronics or some shit. I don't know oh, what okay. it was. It was fucking dope. It was very cool, yes. I would agree. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I thought that was the the best use of effects in the entire piece for me. Well, just that alone actually gets, in, in my opinion, makes it to where the actual... Uh, Makeup and special effects department or practical effects department definitely deserve recognition. But there's some, there's a few other scenes here later on that, yeah, are very, they stand out quite a bit. And again, we praise the practical effects, obviously. 35 years later, this shit still looks good. There's 10 year old CGI that is unwatchable now, you know. How about right before that, the act where the camera pans down when the blood first hits and it shows the heart under the floor. Yeah, that's why I said some mass. Like I was pumping. like, I don't know what the fuck was going on because I had no, yeah, I no idea what was like happening. A, like a reanimated heart or some shit. It was, it was so cool, man. Yeah, it was, it was a cool shot going through the floorboards like These that. These sequences are the only sequences shot in the house. They were actually shot on a on like a, a set. Yeah, yeah, because they had to move, collapse the, rest the of floor. That shit was shit, shot right? in the house. Yeah. And so, like, you you can tell uh, some of these angles that it's uh, a little bit tight. Yeah, no doubt. It's a bit cramped. Later, Julia finds Frank, who is now played by a different actor named Oliver Smith, who played Frank as a monster, alone in the room, his body partially regenerated and grotesque. Frank convinces her to help restore him to his full physical form, reminding her that she promised to do anything for him. What a woman will do for a good fuck. I just don't. Okay, y'all get mad at me for defending Larry. This woman is willing to talk and help a talking corpse. It's the hellbound heart, Hootie. Over loving her, just this fucking great guy, Larry. Good dad. He seems like he has some good money. He cares about her. 
It's the dick, Hootie. The dick. All I know is, is go Frank over here about to slay that pussy two times. Two times. I am am just so triggered by this fucking movie. Of all all the women I've ever found attractive, there's, of course, a lot of beautiful women in the world. Most of them are beautiful. I don't think there's a single woman I could see in this state of being and say, uh, I'd fuck that. (laughs) But Julia, that's the difference between men and women right there. She saw his potential. She didn't see him in that moment. I was hoping this bitch got cut from fucking toes to throat. (laughs) You know what it is? Frank's dick got just the right curve to it. Oh, shit. Just the right curve, just the right angle. Uh, What's that fucking protractor? You get a protractor and measure it just right. This thing is like in the 99 uh, percentile. It's the perfect curve to her G-spot. 99 is good or 1 percentile? 1 percentile. It's in the 1 percentile of what's going to hit the spot. Shout out to Good Dick, man. Julia agrees to help him, seducing men and luring them up to the empty attic. After Julia whacks them on the head, Frank drains the blood, further restoring his body. I love how she tells the dude. He says, Cringy, dog. Bed, Cringy. She said, we don't need a bed, do we? Damn. Hell no. Go ahead and climb up on this thing. Let's get on the floor. I think one time she was like, I like doing it in the floor. She a freak. How is this lady pulling down so much dick? No, 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 no. Don't even start that shit. I'm just asking. If she did something with that fucking haircut of hers. The haircut, she'd be man. That's what I said. If you put well, Kirsty's hair on her, maybe then, it changes the game for me. That haircut was fucking hot. Well, you get you, you also think about it. She's going to a local watering hole during the day. So the only mm, people that are drinking true. heavy are like true alcoholics because they're day drinking. Uh, and that's the people who are like, you know, just horned up and don't give a fuck. Yeah. She didn't take much convincing, is all I'm saying, man. That dude, that dude took his pants off, had the tidy whities on with the fucking dookie stand. Damn, right? yeah. When's, when's the last time someone got laid in tidy whities? Uh, friends of the show, send us a message if uh, you have evidence of that. Because I don't think I have any any in my history at this point. Okay. <laughs> she thwacks him on the fucking head. Frank rolls up all crawling and shit. Don't look at me. <laughs> I say the same. I'll be saying the same shit when I'm on a date and some bitch look at me while I'm eating. While you're taking a dope. You, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Joy is just shoveling the food in his me, mouth. Like, fucking eyes open. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just put up a damn like a divider while I'm eating. That way you ain't got to witness Joy it. Joy puts a damn menu up in front of his face. Frank tells Julia about the puzzle box, which he still has, and explains that by reclaiming his body, he has broken his deal with the Cenobites. He wants to fully regenerate himself and run off with Julia before they can track him down. In this scene, I believe, if I'm following it here correctly, um... Frank touches Julia for, like the, for the first time, correct? Yeah. Ooh, 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 I got a note about this. And she, like, in. fucking wets her pants, man. Uh, oh, baby. Damn, Frank goes right for the titty. Yeah. He does go for the titty. Don't go to touch a face or nothing, my man. Y'all talking about Frank? Frank goes right He doesn't have titty. skin. <laughs> He's got fingers, don't he? He's got nerves, baby. Larry is a perfectly good human fucking man. <laughs> Did you see Frank's dick, Hootie? Yes or no? At this point, I'm at a note. He doesn't have a dick. He's just he's just a, a Even corpse. Fucking better. Imagine how big it is going to be. <laughs> God, one of these motherfuckers is working with a cucumber. The other one's working with a damn plantain. You can take your damn guess who's working with what. Nice guys finished last. There you go. Shout him out. Uh. Kirsty eventually catches Julia bringing a man home and sneaks in the house to investigate. 
As she approaches the attic, a bloody man stumbles out, followed by the skinless Frank. Before Frank can grab her, Christy pick I knew I was going to fucking do it. Kirsty picks up the puzzle box. When she realizes it holds power over Frank, she tosses it out the window, escapes the house, picks up the box as she runs away. Right before, right before she actually discovers uh, what what's happening with uh, Julia and Frank and all these other guys, um, she's at work and she works at a uh, pet store. Yeah, that was a weird. Where scene. this homeless man is like snacking on crickets and shit. This homeless Very man's strange. been stalking like been stalking. Uh, uh, Kirsty, Kirsty, the whole fucking time. However, there's this bitch at the counter with a damn parakeet. <laughs> She's like, I want to see your manager. <laughs> this bird keeps shitting everywhere and calling me an old whore. And also, how to come every time we see Julia after the, she starts killing other dudes, she looks more and more like Bridget Nielsen and Rocky Ford. Tell you, dude, with that pompadour ass hair. The hair is. She looks. More. It's like a cat one thing. Like she just completely fucking transformed when she picked up that hammer. She's she looked like David Bowie by the fucking end. Of- yeah, she's becoming more evil with every kill. And how can we best show that to the audience? Drago's wife's hair. Noise. She's the epitome of of evil in Rocky Ford. So. Kirsty awakens in a hospital where we assume she was dreaming until a doctor hands her the puzzle box. Kirsty begins to play with the puzzle box and solves it. I got a question mark here because I'm not sure what the fuck solving it means. The walls of her hospital room open into a dark tunnel. She goes in there and, of course, a gross-ass monster begins to chase her. She escapes and the wall seals up behind her. I had two questions here, none of which pertain to the fact that she solved that puzzle box, which is a very good question raised by you. One, she was so fucking happy doing it on the bed, too. She had, like, her feet crossed behind her, and she was, like, giggling. Like, what's going on? This hospital, I thought this was a part of a dream because it was so creepy and old and just it didn't feel right. Yeah. And then why do they lock the door behind them when they leave the room? That doesn't seem safe, for one thing. What if it's a fire? They're just going to burn to death. Yeah, we don't really get a resolution, but I'm not sure if this ever really happened or what was going on. Maybe Joy knows. Uh, it happened, uh, from what I assume, but what what I get out of that, Hootie, that's actually a good point you bring up. I feel like the doctor wasn't actually a doctor. I think it was probably like just a minion of the Cenobites, because the doctor uh. actually gives the Lament configuration back to Kirsty at this point. You just think about it, a doctor wouldn't do something like that. It's a good point. You know? But, yeah, I think it's this whole sequence right here, um, the chase may have been a dream, but what happens afterward is definitely real. Right. I think the doctor literally says, take some time. Figure this thing out. We'll be right. Back. Exactly. She did the uh, hair flip. I had that note specifically in the hospital bed. This chick's fucking hair just drove me wild. I'll go ahead and throw that out there. Loves the hairspray. <laughs> and I had a question here this... about the thing in the wall. Was it me or was it shaped like a dick? Is this about Kirsty's sexual awakening at some level here? You know what? That's very. I mean, I, it's 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 not that. It, kind of something. Else. First of all, it's it not that. But I guess I can see it being interpreted that way. This is it's the same man like, who wrote a movie called Rawhead Rex. Yeah. Rawhead. Uh, the the creature was actually what they refer to as the engineer. In the sounds in, like a dick to me. And what it is, it's pretty much an amalgamation of a bunch of like different animals and shit, and it's supposed to come off like a uh, like a failed experiment that actually guards the uh, labyrinth of hell. 
Um, We're this is like the now. only movie we actually see this this creature, this being. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you? How hard did you guys watch this scene? I didn't watch it very hard. Or I don't think I was aroused when I watched it. Is that what you're saying? All right. If you were really, if you would have paid attention, you would have seen the actual dolly behind him, where the fucking people. Oh, like in the dark. Oh, yeah. Glad I didn't. You can see it clear as fucking day several times. They left it in there on purpose, I think. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's pretty great. I couldn't even see the buttholes. Apparently, Hootie could see everything, so maybe he could. I mean, I saw Frank's hole. I could draw a picture for you, Chris. Well, Amazon Prime cut. They cut me short on the butthole. I'll tell you that. Well, Hootie, I've never seen your butthole. I guarantee you I can probably draw it a picture of it, too. Yeah. No, I ain't talking about butthole. I'm talking about this all the man's full shaft and head. Oh. Thanks, to the, thanks to the local <laughs> public library. He saw that little piece of skin on the bottom. Yeah, he saw it all. Once again, the Cenobites appear. Pinhead. I guess it's not right to call him that, but we're going to do it anyway. Pinhead tells Kirsty that she has summoned them, and therefore they must take her to their world of pleasure, pain, and suffering. She begs to be spared, offering to lead them to Frank in exchange for her freedom. She escapes the hospital and races to her father's home to warn him about Frank. And here we get the iconic bit of dialogue. Demons to some, angels to others. Definitely a tagline. I didn't understand why that was said or what it meant. I guess it's the whole idea of sadomasochism, right? Some people think it's torture, some oh, people it's think a, it's the ultimate ecstasy. Oh, like uh, that's a like, really uh, it's a huge theme of this movie. What's it called? Is S and M? S and M. There we go. Yes. It's sad, yeah, sadomasochism is, is what it's referred to as. Very, uh, very Marky decide if you guys oh look at this guy keep up with some of that shit. Um, yeah, let's go over the roster of the actual. Uh, oh, I have, I have a favorite. I have a favorite. Let's, let's, Pinhead's let's the best. Come on, right here. Um, Pinhead, aka the priest. Uh, Barker hated the name Pinhead. I think he still does, which uh, is what the crew came up with jokingly, uh, and the fans have definitely uh, yeah, it's called like, him out of reverence. It's like the whole Baby Yoda thing, like it becomes marketable because the whole world. We just name it for them, you know. Yeah, but outside of Pinhead, I think the Chatterer is probably considered like the most famous uh, of all the Cenobites. He was badass, um, man. Yeah, he what was is badass. his name? Oh, they they fuck his makeup up in the rest of the, the movies. Chatterer. Is that right? Uh, he fuck him up in yeah. the movies. That's yeah, just, yeah. He doesn't. That's... He doesn't look like this in later movies. He reminded me of it's because uh... the, the makeup. The makeup is like it hurt the actor's eyes. He reminded me of that game on the 64. Do you remember that shit? Nightmare Creatures or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, like a, I actually think... A very I think similar design. inspiration for, like, Silent Hill. Yeah, I can see like that, some too. some of their designs. Definitely um, had, like, a video game villain Butter. quality to him. Yeah, he's, he was great. Um, Butterball. We have Butterball with the uh, sonar eyes and the uh, <laughs> slit up his gullet. We also have female Cenobite. Yeah, it's terrible it's fucking to name as Deep Throat. Ooh. But uh, they, they changed it, or they decided not to go that way out with, uh, with it being over-sexualized. But I like to call her the Throat Goat, oh. a.k.a. Pussy Neck, because okay. her neck We're slit. Jeez. Uh, okay. We're just keep going here. Joy got into it. Everything's vaginal, man. Everything is... Is she in vaginal the sequels as well? Oh, she's literally, she's literally at one point they're talking about the pain and pleasures being indivisible uh, to each other, and she's literally like stroking her neck slit, her neck, neck, neck twat. Oh. She found the clitoris right there where the Adam's apple would be. Is she? Is she in the sequels, George? 
uh, she is. However, her character doesn't look the same. Oh my god, that's good. These sequels sound terrible. Well, I, uh, Joy, you're selling us a fucking Billy I like the man. second one. However, they kind of fuck up like the makeup on a lot of these guys. But wow. you can't fuck at Pinhead. That's why he's the coolest one, man. He's just an iconic he's a, he's fucking a, he's a, look. He's, he's, the, he's the coolest, maybe, but he's also the simplest. Exactly. Yeah, he's very That's why he's the coolest. Cause it's, it's hard to fuck that up. However, it's just iconic look, you know. the ninth oh. one Don't hold your breath. fucks up Pinhead quite a bit. Once we get there in about 14 years, you'll see. So, a quick question, because I had to look at Benny and how the makeup was done. Um, is his makeup like a, like a cap they put on? Or is it individually put together? I think it's in. Oh, it's it's piece by piece. Yeah, it's one at a time. They said it's like six hours of makeup every day to get. No, it was like nine hours. I thought. Oh, fuck me. I mean, six hours and nine hours. Yes. Well, that's why the movie's all ten minutes. That's his actual face with shit stuck to it. Oh wow! We didn't even talked about their actual costume design. Yeah, it's all a lot of black leather with holes and nipples hanging out and shit. Fucking good, man. It's a lot of trench coats. So memorable. I figured you'd Love be more into this kind of stuff, man. It's not, I'm not a leather bondage type of guy. Oh, I'm a, I will, I'm not into leather, but hey, bondage ain't, that ain't too bad. <laughs> hey, man. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, I think the actual costume designer took inspirations from like, uh, Mad Max, S&M, uh, punk, punk, you know, the punk culture, as well as like the, uh, Catholic church hmm. in designing these, uh, very, 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 very recognizable. Um, costumes. Yeah, the pinhead skirt. He's got like a very, like you said, he called the priest. He definitely has that like that aura about him. I guess just the way he moves and shit. So it's funny. Cenobite actually means priest or like you know disciples of uh, like religion. But I think now people just think think Cenobite. You automatically think of fucking Hellraiser. They've definitely they definitely co opted that word. Larry informs Kirsty that the Frank situation has been handled, but Kirsty finds a bloody corpse in the attic. Cenobites reappear, demanding the man responsible for the death. Kirsty believes they want her father, and she runs to warn him. However, she soon realizes that Frank has murdered her father and stolen his skin. Come to daddy. You skipped over the fact that Frank killed Larry, put his skin on, and then had sex with Julia, and Julia absolutely loved it. It was the best dick Larry had ever thrown. Oh, it was all it was all Larry's skin except for that dick skin. <laughs> he kept he his foreskin raw, boy. He left the dick raw. Mm, I bet that was fun. Yeah, I was super huh. confused actually yeah, in the first the pass. I was like, she just really wanted to fuck Larry. Like all this shit just got her bothered to go fuck her husband. I didn't get it until the bloodline and the hair, of course. A lot of this was very subverted, and I guess like we're talking about the sexuality and stuff. And then now the fact that he's using the actual term "come to daddy" and he's wearing her daddy's skin, you know, some come cerebral shit daddy. going on here. At this point, has uh, has Kirsty found out that her dad is not her dad? Yeah, that's like when he drops the "come to daddy" line. That's him when she clicks. That's my uncle, you know, because that's the creepy shit he used to say. Because according scene, to me and Hootie, he probably tried to molest her when she was a kid. This scene, Good chance. as well as like a previous scene, they have like two of the most quotable lines from the movie. What you got? And this one, I'm gonna start saying all the fucking time. Um, Pinhead, once Kirsty starts freaking out about you know 
her opening the box and they're gonna take her soul to fucking hell and tear it apart he says oh no tears please it's a waste of good suffering a waste of good suffering I do remember so that so fucking good I feel and like then, they parodied that one somewhere before I've definitely heard that yeah and then Larry with one of the one of the fucking Larry did so such a good job with Frank oh my god because a lot of his shit was uh, was uh, improv um he he whips out that fucking switchblade. So much for the cat and mouse shit. <laughs> he goes straight barber from Child's Play Three. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. He was very good as Frank. Yes. And then something happens, Chris. What happens? Well, let me tell you how it goes. Frank attacks Kirsty, but ends up stabbing Julia instead. He drains her for of her blood because fuck it, further nourishing himself. He then goes to the attic where Kirsty is hiding. She accuses Frank of murdering her father, and he basically confesses, so the Cenobites reappear. Frank lunges for Kirsty, but is once again hung up and torn apart. Right where we fucking began the movie. Oh, such a good sequence right here. So did he just, like, he, so he stabs Julia. Yeah. He immediately, like, sucks the whole blood out of her body. Well, it's one of those things he probably stabbed her in, like, the fucking, like, uh, organ that's going to kill her or right. some shit. Okay. So okay. it's like, hey, you know what? Bitch is on her way out. Uh, suck her dry. I think this is also pretty pretty emblematic of the fact that he had no real emotional attachment to her. He was She was just oh, no, somebody no, she, he fucked. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. He definitely used her. She was a fucking means to an end. Yeah. She know, was just flesh to him at that point anyway. And the iconic yeah. line here where right before Frank is ripped to shreds is Jesus wept, which was a replacement. The original line was, fuck you. Yeah, it was, it was, it, well, it was Andrew Robinson who, who recommended the change to, uh, fucking Andy, to, uh, man. Mr. He carried Parker. this movie, but dude, he, he did great right here, but Frank licking his lips all hooked and shit. That's some of the most, the most memorable imagery in, in, in horror movies. He did not fucking uh, cry, man. He enjoyed it. He hits him with the Jesus wept, man. What That's does that mean? It's, about, it's not about just pain. Some people find pleasure in pain. I think that just goes to show this character was just super fucked up. The way I took it, Hootie, was that he's saying when Jesus was on the cross, he cried because of the pain. But here I am getting crucified. And I'm fucking the loving way it. he had his arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he, the whole like, pain his, versus the pleasure. Oh, oh, so he's like, oh. It's both his hands. Like, Jesus, Jesus wept, wept, but I'm over here coming, you know. Hold on. I got you. Y'all saying it wrong. Fuck me, right? Do it the way he fucking said it in the movie. Oh, correct yourself. Jesus wept. And fucking pulls him apart, Eek. dude. Explodes his ass. <laughs> Shit was rough, my guy. God, and so down goes good. Joey's idol. Down he goes, man. Never to be seen again. The Cenobites still won't Kirsty, So she flees, finding the puzzle box in the process. Somehow in the clutches of Julia's dead faceless body, I think, at this point. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Her boyfriend Steve, who we hadn't mentioned at this point, lucky bastard, arrives just as Kirsty is undoing the box and banishing the Cenobites. Just before they escape, the monster from the hospital appears. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a penis. But Kirsty hits his ass with the Rubik's Cube as well. I got real Evil Dead 2 vibes from this uh, thing that pops to the wall here. Yeah, kind of like where the tree monster comes after Ash at the end. Yeah. Looked almost I can see that. He wasn't as big, um, though. Wasn't as big, no. 
But yeah, the whole Lydia thing's kind of solved. Who the, the fuck is Lydia? Not the. Is her name Lydia? Kirsty. You got no, some. No, not Kirsty. Not Kirsty. Julia? Julia. All right, the whole Julia being on the bed thing. Is, One of the ladies, Chris. Uh, okay. It's a big part of the second movie. Gotcha. Uh, not to spoil alert to anybody. Oh. Um, but yeah. Uh, so somebody, hold on. The, Wait a minute. This you can't just chase drop. Sequence. Somebody put her in the bed? What? There's somebody put her in the bed in the sequel? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, no, we'll wait to the sequel. Spoiler alert, Eddie. We'll, we'll discuss it. Then. Sorry, Spoiler. I got very excited. I want to leave. I want to leave the audience with a little bit of, uh, you know. Oh, we should start calling who for the next. One. Before I forget, we're gonna start uh, calling who you rawhead from now on. Just we'll just throw that nice. out there. Rawhead. Um, but yeah, this whole chase sequence, man, where where she's going down a flight of stairs and running into Cenobites, and then she is like just solving the box on the way. This is a bit goofy. This has got a little goofy for uh, me. This right here was super goofy. These special, because these were special effects. Yeah, these look bad. Looked like shit. The disappearing, the way they disappeared uh, looked bad. They were awful. Yeah, they, yeah, they were terrible. Stick to the practical, uh, actually, damn it. There's a reason behind that. They were, this, These were actually done over a single weekend before the movie was finished. Oh, you mind all the banishing effects? All the, spe- like all the special effects and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. They, they did obviously look. didn't care too much. But, and it, for it to be like a single weekend, ain't that bad. Yeah, it's better than I could do in 2022 with a single weekend. So. But it's what's fucked up in my, my boy Butterball goes out like a punk bitch. He had to take off the shade. Everybody though. else gets fucking zapped. He has like a goddamn brick fall on his head. And he just goes. <laughs> oh, down. that's right. He's still in play, I think, man. At that point, he's still walking around. He's still out there somewhere. Afterwards, Christy tries to burn the box, but the strange homeless guy from before picks it out of the flames. He transforms into a winged skeletal thing. And flies away. In the final scene, the box is back with the OG merchant. He asks a new man, What is your pleasure, sir? That's the, uh, that's the, the homeless man has been stalking, uh, Kirsty the entire movie. The, uh, puzzle guardian is what this, uh, being actually is. Oh, he has actual canonical. Like, is he in the Into, sequels? Uh, is a thing? Oh, yeah, he's in several movies. I, I think he's in every movie so up much. until, like, the fourth one. What'd you say, Hoodie? So, I was so confused by this because he turns into just a skeleton dragon. Oh, it comes, yeah, it comes out of nowhere. Um, it's supposed what? to allude to it the entire movie because it's like she is destined to interact with the box and be the one to destroy the box. And he, he does what for the he's box? He's making sure that doesn't. He do, he's making sure that doesn't happen. He protects the box. Yeah, he 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 makes sure the puzzle survives. See, so yeah, that wraps up Hellraiser from nineteen eighty-seven. So I think this is an obvious question. We always say this, but we always come up with different fucking answers. What memorabilia you guys want to take home from Hellraiser from 1987? So I know that we will be covering the other films. Apparently, there's ten. Maybe a pre, uh, maybe a, a reboot coming out. So make that eleven. Yes. In the coming years. So I'm going to pass on the box at this point. Uh. Well, the one thing I want, I don't think we even touched it. I don't even think we even talked about this weird, random thing that Larry found in the house that made right, him man, know you're have the same answer. that fucking Frank had been there. And that was a glass figurine of a couple having sex with the insertion built into the glass figurine. That is what I'm taking from this film. That's wild. 
I'm gonna go obvious here. It's the fucking box, man. The dude took eight hours to make it every time it was created. It's fucking, it's intricate. It's cool. I I want to figure out how to fucking solve it because apparently it's really fucking easy in this movie. So, cool party trick, man. You can never beat the OG. You always take the mask. You always take the box on the first ones, right? Come on. So yeah, Hootie, uh, Hootie already alluded to it, man. It's got to be Frank's porcelain sex statue. However, I do have a second part to my answer. But that sex statue, Hootie, do you think it was like a pipe or what? Something you, I, I thought like it was you could a smoke pipe. out of? It did look... It was very, very, very fucking interesting. It was very Like, like I could probably... Ja- in a fucking... In a pinch, I could jack off. I wanted to shake the hey. man's hand who blew that, like, glass out of the... Who the, blew his whatever. load into that thing? Yeah, I wanted to fucking... I wanted to fucking blow... That is some intricate glass thing. work, man. It was pretty good. Uh, but for me, like I said, uh, Frank's porcelain sex statue, but since Hootie took that, uh, give me Butterball's robe, his whole little setup, man, especially the slit of the gut <laughs> and the hooks holding it open. I can fit uh, more Pizza Hut sticks with the extra Ooh, belly room. Yeah. I, want some, I want some sticks now. Don't forget the fucking dipping sauce, my boy. Let's put on our, our glasses here, be the professorial men that we are, and give a letter grade out to Clive Barker's. Hellraiser from 1987. We all know how what I think of this franchise, or or at least this movie in in general. Um, as our listeners know, much of my childhood was spent watching various horror films, but for obvious reasons, Hellraiser wasn't among them. The violent sexual nature and religious imagery wasn't on the menu in our household, and, and I'm kind of glad it wasn't, as I think this shit would have triggered something in a young, impressionable joy. I didn't see it till my mid-twenties, and revisiting it in my mid-thirties has been just as much of a treat as it was back then. The story is unique and well-told, and even for a tale based on the abstract concept of heaven and hell, it, feel, it feels human at its core. The burning sensation of lust and desire, even beyond the grave. The costume design of the Cenobites is just fucking cool, as are the practical effects throughout. Namely, Frank reemerging from hell. Uh, that was that's some shit that'll stick with you forever. Um, but in contrast, the special effects, like the purple sperm coming out of the uh, limit configuration, look like shit. And some of the act, some of the acting is uh, is suspect for sure. But don't let that sway you. Um, as 1987's Hellraiser is a classic and the birth of a horror icon in the priest, a.k.a. Pinhead. Um, so I give Hellraiser a B with a little smiley face next to it. It's that mm-hmm. good. It's cute. I will go next. Uh, Hellraiser was a blind spot for me. Again, I knew very little other than the tidbits I've seen probably on sci-fi throughout the years. I was shocked at how little of Pinhead and his entire gang you actually see in this film. It plays as more of a morbid love story than a creature feature, in my opinion. The special effects were incredible throughout the film. I think we pretty much pounded that into the ground as, as we went along. And, uh, and just a big shout-out to that creature at the end with the, with the huge connection to Evil Dead 2. And with that, I shockingly am going to be higher than Joy. I gave it an A. I loved it. Well, for me, I could say my gut reaction to what this was hit me within the first five minutes. The nausea was fucking real. 
I can see why I tuned out any memory I may have had of this story as a kid. Um, I thought one of the most interesting tidbits uh, that we kind of encountered in the trailer was Stephen King talking about how Clive Barker was the future of horror. Um, and that's kind of always thought of him like on equal footing with Stephen King. But looking at this, I could see he's definitely a more granular type of writer. He's not not as sweeping. He's not um, as formulaic as I kind of assumed he might be. With someone that has kind of a an a expansive repertoire like a Stephen King, you kind of get similar themes and shit like that. So uh, this movie is like like I said earlier, the most horror of fucking horror movies. It's sex and it's violence and it's cranked up to a fucking hundred. Some of the effects kind of showed their scenes with like the skin tearing away with some of the hooks and shit like that, but that didn't take away from like the visceral reactions that I was having watching this shit happen. Uh, the concepts are unique. I don't think I've ever seen a more sexually based horror movie. Uh, it was more erotic than I assumed, but significantly less pinhead focused than I imagined it would be. Uh, I am glad to have this sorted out in my mind. It's almost there, but it ain't the Candyman, bitch. I'm going to give it a B plus, though. I heard you come around looking for the Candyman. Candyman just fucking hit me, Part dog. of that, too, is like, you know how Jason, everybody thinks of Jason. Like, Jason didn't show up to what? In his Real Jason 3, look, right? Till like, Jason yeah. 3. It's, it's, I guess it's the same thing with Pinhead. Like, his his real character doesn't really develop until the second, third. Right, I'm definitely looking forward to see what he's all about. Yeah, because I've heard you oh, say that... He's not even the antagonist in the second one. He's not even yeah, really the antagonist in this. Yeah. I've heard you say that you actually feel bad for him as the movies go along. All right, boys. Letters, letter grades in the books. We're going to review our audience score. From Rotten Tomatoes, as it pertains to Hellraiser from 1987. We'll start with the high man, Mr. Hootie. Thought this would be a 78%. I went with My this. My grade... Reflected it. He was there. I went with a 70. Joey was 65. So we're all kind of in the wheelhouse there. The actual audience score for Hellraiser is a 72%, which puts myself back in the driver's seat yet again. I can't, Jesus! Because I can't fucking lose. I'm the Tom Brady of this. I'm uh, so tired of this shit. I'm going to quit this podcast, boys. I'm the Tom Brady of this game we made up. So let me just get this dirt off my shoulder real quick. You also kiss your son on the fucking lips, don't you? <laughs> I even made a note about how weird it was this lady kissed her dad in the mouth, so fuck you. Jesus wept. So uh, I know I kind of have ranted, gone back and forth, choosing things I want to see, choosing things to just shut you motherfuckers up. And I like to volley back and forth across the millennium. I feel like there's definitely a divide when you hit horror in like the year 2000. So... We were back in the last century. Let's get back on our side of things. Let's watch something that I personally have what seems to be a grudge against. And I'm anxious to revisit because I have close to no fucking memory of this movie. Let's go check out Cabin in the Woods. We saw this movie together, Chris. Exactly. Dude, I fucking love this movie. It's a good movie. movie. I, I remember thought it was just an overrated piece of shit. But we'll it's got see. Thor in it, Chris. What more do you want? Okay, whatever you say, my guy. Captain America's not in I there. I love Fuck when it. like movies. I love when movies like hold a mirror up to themselves. You know, Scream already did it better. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. Oh God, here we go with this boring ass shit. All right, let's hop on YouTube. Check out the trailer for Cabin in the Woods. I think it's from 2011. 
Let's go. Rated R. Everybody ready? Show up on the GPS. It's was normal position. here. Who the fuck are these people? This is right after Thor, right? Hello. I'm thinking this thing doesn't close. take credit. This is a year before Avengers, man. Time says closed. Lake has been a lot of stuff as that same type, dude. To get you there. He's in the wrong turn. Yes. That's your concern. Awesome. It's just sucking off the evil dead, man. Whoa. Who walks into an abandoned cabin going through the hospital? <laughs> Fucking CGI. I already see it. Make a game, Chris. It's not CGI. They are come to the killing floor. Get this party started! <laughs> I seriously believe something weird is going on. Oh shit, his boobies. That did not age well. Josh Whedon. Who was Josh Whedon? <laughs> the guy everybody hates. Yeah, good idea. Really? We gotta get out of here. Oh, he was in that Detroit video game. You know what's good about this trailer? The fact that they like leave the meta half of it like in of the trailer. For the most part. Say that trailer looks better like, than I don't I remember. even know if I'll like be able to talk about it all that much because I'm gonna fucking enjoy it. Like I'm gonna be sitting back and just watching. It, it does look better than I remember. I'll give you that. But for some motherfuckers who always complain about yeah, VFX, that's all I fucking saw in that trailer. I'll tell you that. Well, if it's done I mean, it's, right, sure, I'm fine. Oh, with don't it. give me that. Yeah, it's all right. It's bullshit. It's that. after 2010, man. You can't expect, but it's it's so much. Come on, dog. Got some double standard talking at both sides of your mouth, motherfucker. Practical effects are kind of dead, man. Sadly. No, uh, practical. I just I have much more reverence and respect for practical effects. All right, fellas, what do you think about that trailer? What's your guess for this modern classic bullshit? I'm gonna assume people uh, overshot their water here and say this is an eighty percent. Let me uh, let me go with not as hyped as you seem to be, because I think some people are a little bit more cynical, like you. Uh, 75. I remember this movie coming out, and at the time, all of us were really into Rotten Tomatoes, and I feel like I kind of know what this is. I'm probably going to be way off, but I'm going to go with 88. Thank you for listening. Check out the website, horriblefilmschool.com, to find us on all podcast platforms, as well as links to all the social outlets. Give us a follow, leave a review, send us some artwork. I like artwork. 
I'm going to offer my support to women coerced into seducing gross men into an addict in an effort to resurrect your former lover. I say this too often, but I do not mind repeating it. Men are basically all the same. Find yourself another eel in the ocean. And as always, if you're hearing our voices in this beautiful podcast, tell at least one person you know, spread the love, spread the campaign. want to give a shout out to the Horrible Film School Instagram page. We have recently passed 500 followers. Looking forward to the next 500. And, uh, and uh, of those 500, please reach out, communicate with us, talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, I am out. Thanks for all the likes, the subs, the listens, the follows, the downloads. We really appreciate uh, you guys' support as well as your time and attention. Be sure to join us next time when we spend an evening at the Cabin in the Woods. Class dismissed. <laughs>